0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i not normally up on the stage. I'm normally in the darkness over there. And I, I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I used to play keys a lot and be on the stage, but I've had to adapt. So my worship looks a lot different. You guys are up here, hands raised all the time. Super awesome. I'm back there moving faders on a soundboard because that's what I'm comfortable with now. But it's such an honor and privilege for us to be able to have an opportunity to share. I've been a part of Heart of the City since 2012, and uh, it's been absolutely wonderful to be through the different journeys of Emma Street and the fairgrounds and the different things through that. And uh, the last time that I preached over a weekend was actually the last day of our internship in 2013 and 2014. (laughs) So it's kind of bittersweet. It's really awesome, uh, but very nerve-wracking. And this is my beautiful wife. We started dating the day internship ended. <laughs> and uh, we've been married seven and a half beautiful years. Yes. And uh, I think we have a photo of our wedding day. Joy, would you put that up? Oh, you have to turn the sermon, sermon thing off. There we go. Most of you, most of you probably have never seen me look like that. Um, I haven't cut my hair at all in five years, so... Um, so yeah, it's awesome. And then uh, the next photo, Joy, is our family. We're up at Romano's yeah. over Labor Day weekend. We have two beautiful boys, Ezekiel's six and Judah is four, and they are wild boys. Just on the other side of this, like where we're sitting is like a complete straight drop-off, and they wanted to like run and stand by it, and it's like, I don't want you to die. But anyway, it's super awesome to be sharing about marriages. Um, We've been married, like I said, seven and a half years, and so um, we've been tasked to give a nugget to the ladies from the perspective of the husband and from the perspective of the wife, and a nugget to the guys from the perspective of a husband and from the perspective of a wife. So I think Mikhail's gonna start us off talking to the ladies.
1: So excited. Um, before I talk specifically to the ladies, I just wanted to. I guess explain marriage, explain marriage, the foundation of marriage. Um, something that I've been really meditating on was when, like, God is the author of marriage. And so he made Adam and he made Eve and there was God in the midst of that. Like, it wasn't Adam and Eve and God on a Sunday. It was Adam and Eve with God. They walked together constantly. And so the foundation of our our marriage is, is God. Like, I honestly can't imagine being married without God. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to, like, just establish that, like, marriage is a covenant. It's not just a piece of paper. And we we highly value marriage and just the beauty that it is. And it's just a, just a beautiful... Um, I guess it's a beautiful example of of Christ and the church. And so we get the privilege to walk that out. And it's just, it's awesome. So anyways, um, to the ladies, and honestly, really to anybody, is, is just pray. Honestly, pray. And I'm constantly having to remind myself, just pray. Stop being grumpy. You just need to pray. Um... I don't know. I love I love a good chick flick. But have you guys have you guys noticed? Um, in a lot of our culture, there's a war on our men, and constantly in all the movies, and they're funny, but they're just they're bashing the men, making them out to seem like they're idiots. They're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. And basically, the woman, the wife has to come and save the day and clean up the mess and all these things. And so there's bashing men, bashing men, bashing men. And then women are trying to put themselves above men. And that is not a biblical marriage. It's not. And so... These are great, and I watch them myself. But like, we have to be careful. We just have to be careful that like this isn't seeping into our marriage. We have to be aware that like these things are not seeping into our marriage. And there's a war on our on our men. We have to be prepared. Or on the other spectrum, um, they're feminizing everything, um, feminizing men, making them seem like eh, whatever. Um, and so we, no, but really, we have to. <laughs> We do. We need to pray for our husband. And we need to pray protection over our husband. And we need to pray that they would just not be, they wouldn't feel like they need to compare to anything else, that they would be able to be men. And we need to allow them to be men by not nagging on them, by not putting them down, by not doing all these things. And and so just pray. Pray for your husband. When you're frustrated about something, pray for your husband. It can look simple like... We get in, in a, little, a little tiff, and I'm like, oh, God, what do I do with this? Please talk to him. I'm serious. These are, like, real-life things. Please talk to him. And I'm like, you know, that's probably not a good attitude. And I'm like, okay, God, soften my heart to be able to follow in what Nate's decision is for X, Y, Z. And he does. I've seen it again and again and again that God has softened my heart, or he's changed Nate's heart, or whatever. And, and so we're able to have this beautiful, like, communication because we're constantly communicating with God and he's able to create this know, little cloud that we're in constant not constantly, I hope so. One day we'll get there, but <laughs> we're working on it. But just, just pray for your husband. Pray, pray the spiritual armor over your husband and pray for yourself. If you see any like resentment or bitterness or anything come out, you just pray, God, please take that away. I know this is not the right attitude to have. Um, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. Our enemy is not our spouse. We have a real enemy, and we have to sometimes see through that. Sometimes he likes to tell little lies to us, and we think, oh, it's just me, and then we kind of get, we cave in on ourselves, and our me, 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 me. Um, A great example would be like, um, sometimes, I'm just going to confess this straight up, I get a little I get a little crazy. I come from <laughs> I come from a long I come from a long line of not good marriages. I really No, really. I do. And so it's honestly it's affected some things in my marriage. I don't trust. I would freak out at my husband about every little detail like who are you with? Who are you talking to? Blah 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 blah. I would go crazy and I would assume always the worst. He wasn't doing anything. It's neat. He's so gracious and loving. No, no, no. But this is a lie. This is a lie that the enemy has put in my mind constantly, and that I'm constantly having to battle against. But as he's whispering that lie into my mind, I have, I'm not, I'm so self-absorbed that I don't even think about what lies the enemy is now telling my husband. And now he's created this division between us, and we're not able, we're just mad at each other. And he's like, Haha, I won. But he no, let's not, let's not get there. But I had to, had to stop this cycle, and I had to be like, you know what, God, actually, I pray protection over my husband's heart and his mind, and if any temptation does come, that you would be there to, to bring him out of that temptation and that you would prepare my heart to be forgiving, whatever, just anything like that. And just, so pray for your husbands. And if you're not married and you want to be married one day, pray for your future spouse. There's no harm in that, right? And if you don't plan to get married, pray for other marriages. Like, seriously, pray for other marriages. What if, as a church, we fiercely prayed for other marriages? Like, could you imagine, could you imagine if we were, like, on battle for that constantly? We gotta fight. We gotta pray.
0: Beautiful. Uh, Kind of going along the same lines, um, in Proverbs, um, it says in verse 12, 4, it says that an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And, and kind of like what Michaela said is, as husbands, we are the head, just like Christ is the head of the church, and we're supposed to love our wives like Christ loves the church. But he places, culture places women as like the neck to try and force the direction of the head. Just like she said, rom-coms are showing different things. But actually in Proverbs it says that there's a crown on, our, on the husband, and that is an excellent wife. And it actually elevates it to a place of recognition and honor and glory. And it's so beautiful because, because it, an excellent wife will stay there, and it'll be something that the— In Proverbs 31, I think it says that an, a husband needs a wife that he can trust— and how beautiful it is when we're able to put, I'm able to put Michaela on as a crown and be like, this is, this is a wife I wanna show off to every single person and different things like that. But what it says in the second part of verse four, it says, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And it's kind of like cancer I kind of think of. And then there's some different characteristics that can be cancerous to your marriage. I'm gonna lift off, list off a few of them. Chronic criticism is cancer to the life of a marriage. Whether it be for both, from both sides, but I kind of focus in more from the, the perspective of, of the wife. Um, making fun of him, comparing him to other men, disrespecting him publicly. Um, one thing that I've seen, not only in marriages, but in disciplining our kids, is I've had family members where I'm out there, their kid does something wrong, and they just make the biggest deal of it in front of all the family. And what that does is it causes embarrassment, whether it's right or wrong, that what the kid did. It causes embarrassment and it doesn't set them up for a place where they can dialogue. It immediately puts this weight on them that they're, they're wrong and it puts a perspective from all the other family that what they've done is wrong and that's all that they do is wrong. It really matters making sure that we handle Hard conversations in a safe place, whether that be privately or in our own home, whatever it be, may be. But try not to disrespect publicly, belittling him in front of your kids. It's really important. Our kids see everything that we do. They see they see us love each other. They see us. They see us um, in our in our worst po- mark, worst points, and our greatest points. So we need to make sure that we give them a good example of what marriage is, biblical marriage. Um, Always lecturing and nagging at him, complaining and being negative, controlling and manipulating with tears, and withholding sex. One of the greatest things that can combat the cancer that may be creeping in is, first of all, making sure that you're grounded in the word of God. When you know that, that you are the crown wives of your husband and that they wanna be able to trust in you and every decision that you make. Because as a husband, we have a very big weight. We, we are the spiritual leaders of our households and we have to make sure that we are listening to God in the decisions that we do and make as, as a family. And those things are sometimes very, very weighty and difficult and so try and encourage as much as you can and walk through and have conversation. It only all comes down to having clear communication with one another and having open avenues where you can discuss things because I wanna bounce off ideas from Michaela and she wants to bounce off ideas from me on what we should do moving forward. What dreams and aspirations do we have? Is it right now or is it not? And we need to be able to go to our spouse and feel encouraged instead of put down and degraded. And so one thing, just like I said in, in Proverbs 31, I'll read it out loud here. says in verse 10 and 11, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in here and he will have no lack of gain. So as husbands and as wives, we need to have clear communication so that we can always find that trust and that support from our spouse in moving forward. So um, I, think that, I think that's all I have for the ladies. Let me just check my page. Yes,
1: it was good. It was great. <laughs> um, I know this sounds super cliche, but it's only cliche because it's the word of God and we hear it all the time, but maybe we need to hear it more. Um, husbands, just love your love your wife. Honestly, sometimes that we joke about maybe I, I need to wear a mood ring so that hus- <laughs> so Nate, knows, so Nate knows how shall he uh, act. No, but honestly, so... Love us because sometimes we honestly don't even know what we want. I'm I'm just gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you straight up. We don't. So I have no help for you there. But you can love us. That would be great. And but love goes. It goes beyond more than just saying, "Oh, I love you." But I'm just gonna go be with the guys like five nights out of the week, or you know anything like that. Or I love you, but you're prioritizing other things. Um, you gotta love with action and not just words, right? Um I'm just gonna read the Ephesians um five twenty-five through twenty-nine. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and oh gosh, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives their own as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You can love your wife by seeking the God of love and immerse yourself in his word so that you too can use that word to build up your wife and to lead your family. You can't, and I have heard of this, it's just, you can't be like, well, I I read the Bible last year and I know that you're just supposed to submit to whatever I say. And it's like, no, I don't think that's how it works. It's like, you, you have to, we gotta, we gotta work on this together. We love each other. We work on this together. What is God saying to you right now through the word of God, not through what you read last year? Um... There is a really, really great book on community called Life Together by Bonhoeffer. Um, It's not a marriage book, but I think it's great for, honestly, all relationships. And he has this beautiful quote in there. I kind of changed it a little bit to say she's to make it make more sense. Um, He talks about the difference between human love and spiritual love. Human love is directed to the other person for his own sake but spiritual love loves him for Christ's sake. Human love constructs his own image of the other person of what she is and what she should become. It takes off it takes the life of the other person into his own hands but spiritual love Recognizes the true image of the other person which she has received from Jesus Christ, the image that Jesus Christ Himself embodied and would stamp upon all men. So, in all our relationships, marriage especially, we have to choose to love our spouse through the veil of Jesus, how he sees them, not through our frustration or through our bitterness. We have to kind of, we have to take that off and we have to put on the veil of Christ and we have to be like, how, Lord, how do you see, how do you see my wife? How do you see them and how can I, How can I love them in this moment? And then you're washing her with the word of of God. So you're washing her and you're cleansing her and you're calling her, you're not calling her down to submit to you. You're calling her up to who she was created to be, to who God had made her to be. You're encouraging her. It's a a back and forth thing.
0: Amen. Um, How many guys out there have heard that there's like three things that a husband should do in their family? It is to be a priest, provider, and protector. You guys heard that before? Something along those lines? Cool. <laughs> anyway, as a, as a priest of our household, we're supposed to lead spiritually in, in kind of a nugget. Um, protector, we need to make sure that we're protecting our families from the attacks of the world, whatever society's saying, culture's saying. Uh, protect them from any different attacks. We're supposed to be our, our family's defender. And then... Provider, and I want to focus on provider. Um, I'll tell a little story. When I first got hired, I loved my job, and I still love my job, but <laughs> I, loved, I loved my job so much, <laughs> so much, that, uh, that I, I, was, I wasn't as present at home. Um, so I was taking the provider role very, very seriously. I wasn't lacking providing at all. But what I was doing, I was, I was lacking being the priest and I was lacking being the protector. And providing isn't just monetary of, of, to, to make money and to do things. We have to provide support emotionally. We have to provide support with our kids growing up. We had just had Zeke. He was one, uh, a month old? Yeah, a month old. And, and it wasn't until I don't know how many months, a few months, four months, five months. And, and Michaela and I were in conversation. One thing that we kind of didn't do well at the beginning was have clear conversations, expectations. Hey, what is going on this week? What can we do? What am I doing for work? These different things. And so I would just be like, and I would sometimes forget things and I would say, I would text her at four o'clock and say, hey, I have this meeting right now. I will be home late and different things like that. And that's not setting my family up for success. Anyway, um, there was a moment that we were having a conversation and she said that she felt like a single mom. And at that moment, I realized that I was lacking. I wasn't providing time. I was providing money. We had a house. We had, or we were living with my in-laws at the time. We didn't have a house. But I was providing, I was providing monetary, which is good and we're called to do that. In fact, in Timothy, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And that providing is in a lot of different perspectives, but I'm taking it into this, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we are called to provide, but we have to make sure that our, we're still in union with our family. The moment that she said that she felt like a single mom, I had to make a shift. I had to make a shift, and one of the biggest shifts that we made was in our communication. About that time, we started doing this thing, or was it? It all, it all is like a blur, because we've been doing this one journal. It's, it's, we, it's called the Marriage Journal by the Roloffs. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that, but it basically is a guidebook on having clear communication. It's a thing that you do every week. And it asks six questions every week with a devotional, and then you go over your, week, your week's schedule. So yes, we may have our calendar with all of our stuff on it, but sometimes we have to be intentional and talk about what's on, our, what's on our agenda for that week. Whether it be, hey, I do have a meeting after hours at work, or I have this going on, I'm gonna be out of town here with the kids, and different things like that. It helps us stay on the same page in a tighter span. Because yes, it may be on our calendar, but sometimes we don't always look weeks ahead at what's on our calendar. And anyway, this book really, really helped us start to form healthy communication habits. And so, like I said, it has a devotion. And in that devotion, it's various different things. It could be on love. It could be on dreams. It could be on various different things. And it kind of goes from the perspective of the husband can read one, and then the next week it's the wife, and and so on and so forth. But the, the six questions that it asks really... Sometimes we don't know what questions to ask our spouse to get conversations rolling. Anyway, it starts off with the first question being, uh, what brought you joy this week? And it makes us reflect back on what's, what, what actually did we do last week? What, what brought us joy? Whether it be, hey, my kid's birthday, or hey, it was really fun to go on a trip out of town, or whatever it may be. And then the second question is, what was hard for you this week? And the biggest thing about all these different questions is making sure that we're honest with each other. Because it would be really easy to be like, oh yeah, it was really awesome, I'm glad that I have a job, or these different things that are just kind of broad. But it allows us to be so focused on, on each other and be real with ourselves. And the third question is, uh, what can I do for you this week? When was the last time as, as a spouse that you asked your husband what you could do or ask your wife what they could do for them or what you could do for them? It, it radically like starts to change and, and you think. Like in my mind, it's always hard when I get to that question because I'm like, man, she already does so much as a stay-at-home mom and, and like, what, what do I do? And then she presents to me like a list of like 10 things and, and that's always probably gonna be the case. But, but it allows us to always have the opportunity. And uh, the biggest thing that you can always do for your spouse is always pray for them. Um, it's very easy, and I'm guilty of going weeks and, without praying for Michaela. And, and you, you continue, you can see how that affects your relationship as that goes on. The fourth question is, is there any unconfed, unconfessed sin, conflict, or hurt that you need to resolve or seek forgiveness for? Um, this one's a, one that you really have to be open and honest with yourself, first of all. Is there any sin that I'm holding back? Is there any bitterness, or is there any resentment is there any conflict that we had that we, we kind of resolved on the surface but there's something festering beneath? And this is an opportunity to, to be open and honest with your spouse and be like, hey, I need to be up and honest with you on, on this and present that. And, and that's a time of healing. It's not a place to just come and belittle your, your spouse or to destroy their, but it's, it's a place to come in in a healthy place where we're able to have those clear conversations. The fifth question is, is there any dream craving or what is the dream craving desire that's been on the forefront of your mind? As, as a married couple, we, ha- we have dreams and aspirations and it's important for us to, to present those to one another so we can either shift our day to day to hopefully achieve those things or is it something that isn't for now? Um, so it's very important for that. And then the fifth or the sixth question is, how can I pray for you this week? And sometimes that is very general, but I would encourage you, if you, if you apply these questions, is, is make sure to, to be specific with those prayers. Because it's to be like, oh, just pray for me, which a lot of times that is what ours is. But the importance of, if you're really going through something, being so sniper-focused on, hey, I need help with this because of this. It's important so that we, can, we know how to pray. It's like, yeah, the Lord can show us how to pray for you and different things, but the more that we can be as pointed as possible with those prayers, the better. Um, and then once a month, it asks two additional questions. And I think th- this is something that we, as, as marriages and different things, I just don't think are talked about enough. And the first question on once a month is, how are we suiting our finances? I think that, I don't know the statistics exactly, but a lot of Marriages fall apart when it comes to finances and when it comes to sex life. Um, the sixth question is, how is our sex life? And it's it's a it's a great opportunity to be open and honest. Again, hey, how are we stewarding our finances? Let's look at our budget. Let's look at our bank. Let's look at all these things. And are we stewarding it the way that God desires us to steward it? Is there things that we need to cut out, or are there things that we need to add, and so on and so forth? And then, how's our sex life? This is super important because a lot of times we just don't want to talk about it because we don't want to cause any offense or rift between each other. It's like, oh, you expect this and I expect this, but now we're having this conversation, so it's now we're going to, it's going to get awkward or whatever. It's never, sex is never supposed to be awkward when you're married. It's a beautiful thing that God created for for us to engage in, and we have to be open and up up honest with ourselves and what that looks like and hey, is it a season for more or is it a season of less or is it whatever or is my expectation this and your expectation this? Because if we never communicate, we're gonna put expectations on our spouses in all of these areas and it's gonna breed frustration. And so my encouragement to you is, is if, you, if you're not married, surround yourself with people that you wanna emulate their marriage and begin to ask questions to yourself on, hey, what are those things that I need to work on? What are those things that maybe if I'm married one day that I need to work on? And then as, as married couples, be in constant communication. As a husband, lead those conversations and, and be open and upfront with what your spouse needs and what you, you need to go back and forth because we have to have clear communication. If we want to have clear communication with our spouse, we also need to have clear communication with the father because that is our example of what it is. If I am failing as a provider, I am not loving my wife like Christ loved the church, just not. If I'm not clear and communicating, I'm not loving her the way that she deserves to be loved and I can't lead accordingly. And so my encouragement is to really look at your marriages as a whole and be like, what it, where are the weak spots that we need to work on? Really search your hearts, spend time with the word, Spend time with the Father in prayer and say, what is it that we need to do to shift to health? Because I'm I'm tired of hearing all these things of 50% of people in the church are getting divorced. That just doesn't make sense to me. And granted, there's some things that we just can't control, but we have the opportunity to fight with one another towards health and healing in marriages. And so my encouragement be in the word of God and continually be focused on, on health and communication. Because out of all those things, you have health in all the other areas. Because when we're clear and concise in our communication, we're able to say, Hey, you've had maybe too many guys nights or you've had too many girls nights and these different things. And we have to have these healthy conversations so that we can move forward in health, in our relationships, and so um, I think that's all that we, we have. If you're interested, first of all, in, in one of those books, we have a copy, and if you want, you can ask me, come up afterwards, and we can we can get that to you. It's revolutionized the way that we can communicate, and it's all Bible-focused, and it's been so, so amazing.